0: Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Are you ready for the word today? Oh, I feel like preaching it. This is a, a standalone message. I told you earlier we'll start our series next week uh, called Fear God. But today is just a standalone message. And this is something that I have to preach to myself quite often, and I figure uh, if I have to preach it to me a lot, you probably need to hear it too, amen? Uh, so go with me uh, to the Gospel of Luke today, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, and if you don't mind, let's stand one last time to honor the reading of God's Word. After that, if you want to stand up again, it's on you, okay? It's the only time I'm going to ask you just to honor the reading of God's Word. However, throughout the sermon, not in an awkward moment, but at an appropriate moment, if you are feeling what I'm saying, you can stand up too, Angel. Give one of those faces like, you better preach. You can do that too right now. This is just to honor God's word. Luke chapter 10. I want to start at verse number 38. Go down to verse number 42. And I'm reading from the message translation. When you're ready to read it, say yeah. Yeah. If you ain't ready, say, hold up. I am struggling with this water. See, y'all give me this bougie water with these little complicated twist caps. Okay. (laughs) Luke chapter 10. And it says, as they continued, that is Jesus and his disciples, as they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to get up and help me do something. She needed to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Girl, chill out. Only one thing. One thing only is essential: Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. In another version that says, "Martha, you are overwhelmed, anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. Can you say, "Amen?" I'm intrigued at the nerve of Martha to burst into the room. Jesus is teaching his disciples and just interrupts. It's like, Jesus, Tell her to help me. Just didn't care what Jesus was preaching. Just bust in the room and ask Jesus to fix a family issue. Have you ever been in an awkward moment where you were visiting somebody's house and they were trying to get you to give your opinion on a family issue? Maybe they were married and Like, don't you think that he should do this? You're like, look, I came because y'all had wings, okay? Y'all need to get counseling. Don't try to have me be a judge to your family situation. But it's just so funny, Martha. She's annoyed. She's mad. So just walks in and interrupts Jesus' teaching. I want to talk to you today, not long at all, just from this thought, necessary interruptions. Necessary interruptions. Look at the person next to you. I'll let you pick. Just look at him and say, oh, I know this for you. <laughs> you may be seated in the press. Lord. <laughs> Necessary interruptions. Social fam, one of the parental predicaments that I often contemplate and ponder is this phenomenon, this phenomenon of how Whenever I have like a day of leisure, the oddity that I have like a day of leisure at home, I'm chillaxing, there's not much on the schedule, I just have a free day. I'm blown away how on those days, my children, my offspring, uh, they will be, for the most part, cool calm, collected, well-behaved. They won't be fighting. On the day, I have absolutely nothing on my schedule. Those tend to be the days where my kids are just on their best behavior. In fact, I'll have that off day and I'll, like, want to go play with my son. I'm like, ah, dinosaur. And it's almost on the day I don't have nothing to do. He's like, ah, uh, dad, not today, okay? Just give me some space. Or, then I'll go to my daughters. I got two of them. I'm like, hey, tea party, let's get it in. My, my day is clear. They're like, dad, please, we're. we're Watching Moana again—it's like it trips me out. On the day that I don't have anything to do, for the most part, they will be behaved, chilling. But then on the day that I have so much to do, that my agenda is full. I got meeting after meeting after meeting. Those tend to be the days where they need my undivided attention. They are all up in my face every single minute. Daddy, 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 daddy. I'll be in the middle of a Zoom meeting and my i have hidden in my house just to get on this meeting. And that's when my son will find me in the middle of the important part of the meeting. Talking about, ah! Dinosaur. I'm like, boy, if you don't get out, they're like, what is that? A demon? No, son, get out the room. Then he gets out. Then the girls come in. Daddy, tea time? No, daddy's in the meeting. Isn't it funny the phenomenon that when my day is busy, that's when they want to come in and interrupt me? Ooh, it's actually worse for my wife because you mamas know how many know. Kids know how to interrupt their mamas more than their daddies. Oh, yes, they will walk right past daddy and go straight to mama and say, help me with this. They know when to interrupt. Some of y'all don't have kids, so you didn't like that illustration. (laughs) Isn't it a phenomenon how on the day that you actually get up early to go to work? like you have time to waste on this day. The day that you have time to kill, when you get in the car, you will have a string of all green lights. There won't be an officer in sight. On the day that you got time to waste, I mean, it will be all green lights, everything clear. There's no construction. Even if it was construction, they've cleared the path today. But on the day you gotta be there on time. On the day that you didn't hear your alarm, on the day that you got the presentation that is going to give you the promotion, Ooh, that's the day when there's an officer on every corner that wants to pull you over, talking about, yeah, you didn't put on your mask before you changed lanes, so I'm going to have to give you a citation for that. In my car? Yeah, in your car. That's the day that there's a red light after red light. That's the day there's a 20-car pileup on your way to work. And then finally, when you get out the car and you're sweating, you get up to the job, you got... A crosswalk, and it just happens to be a whole line of endangered sea turtles that just happen to be walking across, and you get on the days ooh, that you got to be there. Here comes the interruptions. And oh, how I many you know we all got that friend? And if you don't know who that friend is, you are their friend. <laughs> every time you telling a story, you know this friend, every time you telling a story, not even just a story, your story. They always feel the need to come in the middle of the story and interrupt. It's your childhood story. And they're like, yeah, 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 but when he was five, when he was say you didn't even know me when I was five. They love to interrupt in the middle of the story. You just want to look at them and say, oh, my bad, my bad. Did the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of yours? I wish you would be quiet and let me finish my story. Oh, all of us have to deal with interruptions. And if you're honest today, Nobody likes being interrupted. Come on, whether it's a conversation, whether it's you just trying to get to your job, we hate interruptions. Nobody signs up for detours. Nobody's like, yes, I want this flight to be delayed for six hours. There's something on the inside of us that gets upset, that gets angry, that has angst and anxiety whenever people interrupt us. That's what jacked us up in 2020. Hello, somebody. How many know we could have been good if somebody would have told us a pandemic was coming? If I I could have planned, I could have prepared for it. That's what messed us up in 2020. It wasn't just the travesty of the virus; it was the fact that it was an interruption to the regularly scheduled program. And how many you know, we don't like interruptions. If you're going to interrupt, tell me in advance. Let me know you're going to interrupt me. Think about it. Remember the stay-at-home orders? Remember the stay-at-home orders that you were annoyed by? How I many? the only difference between a stay-at-home order and then you actually just choosing to have a day to yourself is control. It's like, if I'm going to have a stay-at-home order, well, let me do the ordering. Let me be the one that picks to stay at home. But I don't want somebody, I'm an adult. Don't tell me I'm grounded. I go outside when I want to go outside. Oh, we don't like interruptions, and yet interruptions are inevitable. Interruptions are a part of life. And I came to tell you today that interruptions are actually a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, yes. Please believe that your God will often use interruptions to develop you. God will use interruptions to push you in your purpose. Oh, God will use interruptions, watch this, to show you that he is God and you are not. Oh yes, he will use interruptions to show you his sovereignty, to show you that you don't have as much control as you think you do. God will often use interruptions to push you into your purpose. As a matter of fact, when it comes to interruptions, I don't even think God sees what we call interruptions as interruptions. God has a different vantage point of interruptions. In fact, many of the things that we call interruptions actually are interruptions. From God's vantage point, they are invitations for him to push you into a miracle. Ah. As a matter of fact, when you talk about an interruption, obviously there's a definition of an interruption. Here is Webster's definition of interruptions. An interruption is to stop the continuous progress of an activity or a process. An interruption is to break the continuity of a line or a surface. So, so there's those interruptions, but those aren't the ones that annoy us. In fact, I am for self-interruptions. How I mean, you know, sometimes you can get so stuck in your routine and always doing the same thing that you want to just interrupt things just to change it up a little bit. I feel like today, literally I did this today. Usually I always come to a certain place to park and I park there, but I walked around the building today and I came to the front and they were freaking out. They're like, where's Pastor Robert? Where I said, yeah, I didn't come through the back today. I said, I'm going to come to the front. They said, why? Because I wanted to. Because I wanted to change it up. I don't know. I can have stalkers out there. I can have crazy people. I don't want you to think this is how I always do so. Some of you, you've been coming to Gillies for a while. You sit in the same section, in the same seat every week. You want to try this side of the room just one Sunday? We get in these habits. Some of y'all go to the same coffee shop every single week. You ought to just do a self-interruption every once in a while because it's easy to get stuck in the monotonous it's easy to get stuck in routine but those aren't the interruptions that annoy us not the self interruptions here's what you have to look at when you're talking about the definition of an interruption an interruption by definition must always have these two things these two factors have to be in it if you're talking about interruption number one you must assume that you are headed somewhere you are headed somewhere. Like there is a direction to your life. There's a pathway to your life. It has to be an interruption. If you're talking about it, that means my life is going somewhere. I have a goal in mind. And that's worth discussing today because I want to ask you, where is your life headed? No, for if you keep doing what you are currently doing, where will you end up? Have you ever considered that? Like, what is your goal? Like, what are you trying to do? Did, did God really put you on this earth just to go to work and pay bills? Is that, why, is that why you're here? That's why he created you, so you could go to work and pay taxes and pay bills. That's your purpose. Do, do you know your goal? That, you can't talk about an interruption unless you're actually headed somewhere. So that's one question to ask yourself. Where am I headed? Where is the goal? Another thing to consider with an interruption is that if it is an interruption— It must be something that is less important than the goal that you have in mind. If it's an interruption, it means that this thing that is coming in my life is less important than the thing that I am headed towards. That's the way it has to be an interruption. It means it's less important. So to give you a clear definition of interruptions, interruption is when something less important interrupts something that is more important. So when we talk about interruptions, we're talking about priorities. What is your priority? And many of the things that we are calling interruptions are not interruptions, but they are invitations for God to do something deep in our life. Many of the people that we think interrupt us are not interrupting us. They're actually God opportunities that he wants to use us to connect with that person. See, we go down the shopping aisle. And we think that person that's in front of us that got 54 items in the 12 item line. Oh, interruption. But what if that person is an opportunity for you to show who Jesus is? We think the person that's chatty in the airport with us, that's talking and starting conversation. Oh, look, can't you see I have my headphones on? I did not come to the airport for that. What if they're an interruption? This is what I love about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus did not see interruptions as interruptions. He saw them as invitations for miracles. Woo! Do your due diligence. All throughout the Gospels, rarely did you see Jesus heading somewhere to heal somebody. You see throughout the Gospels, he was on his way somewhere, and on the way there, somebody would interrupt him. But because Jesus is not like us, and he prioritizes people over his personal agenda... Because he prioritizes people over things. He never saw the people as interruptions. He saw the people as invitations for a miracle because his primary purpose was people. But the problem with many of us is we think people are interruptions. And if you're not furthering my agenda, then get out of the way because I'm concerned with me, myself, and mine. So if you're not helping my agenda, please move. You're an interruption. But sometimes the very people that you are trying to get out of the way are the people that God strategically put in your way for you to be a blessing to. Oh, come on somebody. Jesus saw interruptions as invitations. Somebody coming through the roof, interruption. No, invitation. To show you that I don't just heal legs, I can forgive you of your sin too. Teaching in the temple Woman caught in adultery, thrown in the middle of the sermon. Called TMZ, interruption. (laughs) Jesus goes, no, invitation to show a woman that my grace can cover your shame. All the things that we call interruptions are often God invitations. On his way to Capernaum, a soldier says, hey, 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 sorry, Jesus, my servant at the house is sick. Interruption. Interruption. No, not interruption, invitation to show you that I don't even have to be in the presence of somebody to heal them, that I can send a word and that person will get healed. I'm telling you to live a life of faith is to live a life aware of interruptions, that God will strategically use interruption as invitations for the supernatural and for a miracle. Remember that one time he was actually on his way to heal somebody who, and a woman with the issue of blood interrupted him. He, and she interrupted him on his way to heal somebody and he used the interruption of a woman who had been having an issue of blood for 12 years to heal her And then to finish the original mission of healing a 12-year-old girl to show you that whether you've had a disease for 12 years or whether you're 12 years old, I am still able to heal you no matter what stage of life that you're in. It's not an interruption. It is an invitation. I am asking God, especially in my life, to not let me be so busy that I miss the opportunities that I think are interruptions to be a blessing to somebody. The people that I would overlook. This is what I love about the Gospel of Luke, especially where we pick it up. Don't forget what precedes this moment with Mary and Martha. It was an interruption. There was a lawyer that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, excuse me, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was trying to justify himself. And Jesus like, you don't want to know the word. What should you do? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, yeah, okay, go do that. As if you could. On your own. He couldn't do it. And Jesus tells him a story. What? About somebody who was beaten by robbers and a priest and a Levi passed him by. Why? Because they didn't want to be interrupted. And the Samaritan, the least likely one, was the one who said, this isn't an interruption. This is an invitation to bring healing to somebody. A life of faith is a life that is open to interruptions. It's one thing for somebody to come and interrupt Jesus. He had it throughout his ministry. Please heal me. It's a whole nother thing when God chooses to interrupt you. Ooh, this is what I love about my text today. My text today says that Jesus is on his way somewhere with his disciples and he chooses to go to Mary, And Martha's house anybody remember Mary and Martha in the Bible remember them in the Bible they got a brother named Lazarus and Jesus chooses to pull up on their house I love Jesus relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus you know why because it proves to me that because I am a limited entity that don't have much time in the earth I can love everybody but I have to be strategic in my relationships I can only go so far. How many know there's a lot of people Jesus healed, but just because I healed you don't mean I'm trying to chill with you. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm ministering. There's people that he healed, and he's like, God bless you, now go home. Come on, there was one dude that tried to get a part of the crew. Remember the demon-possessed dude? Come on now, you know your Bible? Ah, they pulled up on the shore. This dude is losing his mind, ah. And Jesus set him free, set him free. Set the demons and some pigs. And right after the dude got set free, he's like, oh, I love you, let me roll with you. He's like, no, nah, we good, fam, just go back home. <laughs> set him back home to the village. Just because I healed you do not mean I'm trying to chill with you. I'm telling you, y'all don't like this, but it's true. He had different relationships. Even with the 12 that got to chill with him, he had different relationships. Peter, James, and John, they were a part of this elite three for whatever reason. There were some moments he would take those three, be like, the rest of y'all nine, stay behind. I'm taking them. <laughs> he had different, but, but, but Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, oh, this relationship was different. Because this was the place that Jesus just wanted to chill. Oh, when we get to heaven, I want to meet Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Because of all the people that lived in the earth that time, that's the house you want to go chill at? That was, that was the place where he was like, look, this ain't about me doing ministry. This is about me just hanging out. He loved hanging at Mary and Martha's house. So I love it. I can see them. I can see all 12 disciples. Remember, they're on their way. And I can see Jesus. He says, hey, let's go to uh, Mary and Martha's house. And I can see one of the disciples going oh, we just going to pull up? They're like, yeah, we're just going to pull up. And one of the disciples is like, you sure you don't want me to run ahead and like tell Martha we come? coming? Jesus, you know Martha. He's like, no, let's just surprise her. And all the disciples like, just stop. Like, you- you- you're going to surprise Martha? you just going to pull up? On oh, Martha's house? He's like, yeah, I got a plan. Yeah, follow me. Who the Messiah? You and me. Follow me. And they go, and they start heading to Martha and Mary's house. Woo! Unannounced. Meanwhile, Mary and Martha are in the house. Let me use my holy imagination. They're in the house, hair rollers in, bathrobe on, watching Grey's Anatomy, chilling on the couch. All of a sudden, ding, doorbell rings. Martha immediately looks at Mary. Are you expecting somebody? Mary's like, no, I'm not expecting somebody. Are you? She's like, girl, you know I'm not expecting anybody. Look at my hair and look at this house. Of course I'm not expecting anybody. Girl, look at the ring camera. Look at the ring camera and see who it is. Mary opens up the ring camera. Ah, there's Jesus, hair and everything. Mary goes, it's Jesus. It's who? It's Jesus. He didn't send somebody ahead. He didn't tell nobody he was coming. Look at this house. It is a mess, Mary. She's like, it's him. What do you want me to do? I don't know, girl. Hold on. Who else is with him? Is it just him? Mary's like, no. They all with him. They are. What you mean they are? With them all oh, 12, oh, 12 of them. Oh, can you see? Can you see Martha having a panic attack? Don't act like you don't know. You have been there before when one of your friends called you and said, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood about to pull up, and your house looks like World War Three. You got cereal bowls from last month still on the coffee table, and y'all just gonna pull up. Oh, come on, this, this, she is going crazy. Oh my goodness, they're out there. And Jesus outside with all 12 of them. And Mary's like, what do you want me to do? Just don't, don't, don't hold on, let me think, girl. Let me think, just, just don't answer it. Mary's, don't answer it. Yeah, cut off the light. He won't know we're in here. <laughs> Martha's like, for real? Yes, for real. He, don't, he won't know we're in there. Girl, he knows everything. He's out there. Jesus outside, yeah, I know everything. Come on, Martha. Martha, let me in. Martha, can I cut? Martha, please. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Please, let me. Let me- you know Jesus will do a surprise visit on you. he just pull up. Not because he's trying to find nothing. That's how the old church people would say, he's trying to find you out. No, he just wants to hang. Jesus is outside. Meanwhile, Martha is losing her mind. Jeez, I got to get this. I was not expecting him. Okay, okay, let me think. All right, girl, you, you you, 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 entertain them. You entertain them. I'll fix everything else. I'll get the table. I got it. I got it. I got it. She's like, are you sure? Yes, girl, I got it. I got it. So you see Martha going crazy. She's got to get that long table for 12. You know that long table. They only got seats on one side. You've seen that painting. This she He got to get the long table. She's in the kitchen trying to find the gluten-free pita, getting all the hummus. She is losing her mind. She done put in a Kenny jean. She ain't never played it before got her little apron, just trying to get everything ready. She lighting candles. Meanwhile, Jesus comes in, and Mary is like, hey, Martha's in the kitchen. Yeah, I am, so good to see you, Yeshua. Thanks. Thank you for just showing up, (laughs) unannounced, appreciate it. And she's going crazy, just trying to get everything together. And I can see Mary trying to entertain him. I can see Martha losing her mind, trying to get in. Perfect. Please understand, this isn't a regular guest, this is Jesus. Oh, come on, you start losing your mind when your uncle is coming over. This is Jesus. Not only that, this is a culture where hospitality is everything. How you treat somebody, treated somebody in that culture, it mattered. So please understand, Martha is just trying to host Jesus properly. That is the motive of her heart. She just wants everything to be right for him. If it should be right for anybody, it should be right for him. And let me just pause right here and let you know, if you think this is one of those messages that's coming against the Marthas, saying, how dare this Martha be so busy? I've heard preachers do that. Oh, they just tear up Martha with this text. This is not that message at all, at all. Matter of fact, I don't have points, but if I did have a point today, my first point would be leave Martha alone that'd be my first point. Leave Martha alone. Do you know where the world would be if it wasn't Martha's in the world? Thank God for the Martha's. It's easy to be Mary when you ain't Martha. Don't forget whose house it was. It was Martha's house. That's why she is mentioned first. Mary and Lazarus are the ones freeloading, living up in her house. Please understand Martha is a girl that Had it going on. Scholars suggest she was a widow, but she was still making it do what it do. Martha was the one that said I N D E P N D E N T. Do you know what that means? This is Martha. This is her house. Oh, yeah, it's easy to be married when you ain't paying a mortgage. It's easy to be married when you ain't paying the light bill. And it's easy to sit at his feet when you ain't never vacuumed the carpet. So I want to pause this sermon right now and say shout out to the Marthas. Shout out to the people that show up and do stuff. Oh yeah. You better leave Martha alone. You better leave her alone. Where would you be without Martha? Where would this church be? Without Marthas, where would it be? That's why I came through the front today. I came through the front. Did you know those people here at 5.30 in the morning? You know that? You know those people here early. You see that chair you're sitting in? Is it comfortable? Did you know those people in here? I watched them today. I watched all the Marthas just. (laughs) Marthas. Marthas in the parking lot today. Marthas. You see how much I move? You see these kids, look at this dude, making him work. Martha! See this mic working? Imagine if we am like, oh you no, don't to be here. Y'all no, be the first one, ah, oh, I can't hear, I can't hear. you be the first one, because that's what Mary do. Oh, I love Mary, I'm gonna get to her in a minute. But it's easy to complain when you are married, when you just showed up, got your coffee did, just came in here, shaking your frappuccino. Ooh, the worship is good. Oh, it's easy! you married. I bet you did like service. You just sat down. Bet you did love worship. You went up here early rehearsing. Shout out to the Marthas. Church wouldn't make it without Marthas. Social Dallas wouldn't be Social Dallas without Marthas. Martha's all in slack doing stuff. Martha's Martha's hold it down. Yes. Martha's who you wanted a group project in school. <laughs> oh, you messed up if it's all Mary's in the group project. Y'all gonna fail. <laughs> Martha's the one. So I got it. That's Martha's line. You know, I got it. I got it. Martha, show up. Martha can be counted on. Martha's responsible. How dare we castigate Martha? Yes, Jesus addressed an issue, but this wasn't an issue of sin, primarily. Martha understands that if I'm Martha, I gotta steward it. Martha, steward, if... <laughs> Try to keep you awake. If the meal's gonna be cooked, I gotta go in the kitchen. We can't all shit on the couch. Somebody gotta mix this stuff together. And put in another shout out to Martha. Martha is about action. Martha is doing. Martha will serve. Martha will show up. but Martha does have a danger. See, the problem with Martha is although she'll show up, and although she'll do it, if you're not careful, you become so burnt out, being a Martha you got to be careful when you're a Martha, because when you're a Martha, you're a giver. And givers rarely have limits. Givers have to set limits. Takers ain't never going to have limits. Take, 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 take. And Marthas have to be careful. Because in their heart to serve, you can get taken advantage of. You can become bitter. You can get angry. Oh, you got to check your heart when you're a Martha. You also got to be careful if you're a Martha because Martha's are interesting. Because part of the reason they say I got it is because they have this inflated sense of self. Well, if I don't do it, it's going to fall apart. Well, If nobody else does, I got to do it. And so you got to be careful because even your heart to serve Martha can be based in this motive of thinking that you're Superman or Superwoman. So you're like, oh, oh it's going to all fall apart if I don't show up. Oh, actually, we be good. Can I tell you? No, for real. Like, you're important, but you ain't that important. <gasps> like, you're amazing. 6.6 billion people on the earth. You're the only one with that fingerprint. You are unique. You ain't all that. Like, the world going to keep spinning tomorrow whether you get up or not. Like, I, I mean, like, nobody's gonna take this jacket and be like, oh, this was the jacket that Robert wore on October Sunday at Gillies. Let's put it in the museum. That is a- so, you gotta be careful, Martha, because when you have an overinflated sense of self, you think everything rests on your shoulders. But then, when Martha wants to step back or breaks down and says, I can't, then it's weird, Martha because you've now attached who you are and your identity and your self-worth to doing. So it's like, you want to do it, but then you get burnt out. Then you stop doing it. And when you stop doing it, you start going, well, who am I if I don't do it? Because it is easy, Martha, to think that my acceptance comes from my performance. So I'll keep doing, and I'll keep saying, I got it until I break I'll keep doing it and sometimes if I'm not careful I won't even realize that my motive for doing it has gotten corrupted Martha is this really about hosting Jesus I'm just asking or are you thinking you all that because of all the houses Jesus comes to your house is that what it is I'm just saying you got to be real careful when you serve because sometimes your motive For serving can become corrupted and you won't even know it the Bible says the heart is wicked and deceitful beyond cure you won't even realize as you're doing it your motive for doing it has become wrong so Mary's entertaining Jesus and all the disciples and Martha is setting the table for 13 people making sure the forks are right. Meanwhile, Mary is in the living room. And let's not talk about Mary as if to say she's lazy. In my imagination, maybe Mary said, Jesus, you guys good? I'm gonna go help my sister. I can almost see Jesus saying, have a seat. And Mary's like, no, no. Jesus, you know Martha, let me get in that kitchen. (laughs) Jesus is like no sit down and it just so happens in Martha's living room the only spot that is available for her to sit is at his feet and Mary has some trepidation because she's like Jesus are you sure he's like girl sit and she sits at the feet of Jesus You read that, and you just skim past it. But this is the only place in the Bible and in that culture with any rabbi that you will ever see a woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi. You understand in this culture, this misogynistic culture, women were not treated with dignity and respect. Women were valued just a little bit above cattle in that culture, so much so that Jewish men in their pride would pray this prayer in the morning, this prayer of thankfulness. They would pray, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. Thank you that I'm not a slave. And thank you that I'm not a woman. That is the culture in which Jesus lives. Never would you ever see a woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi women had a separate court to worship in women weren't even allowed to talk to their husbands in public they weren't allowed to study the Torah and now you're sitting at the feet of the rabbi the master rabbi listening to his teaching do you see the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ do you see who your Savior is don't you ever read the Bible and say that Jesus wasn't for the marginalized or that Jesus wasn't for women. Jesus is the only rabbi that said, I get to determine who can sit where. And in a misogynistic culture, he said, everybody can sit at my feet. Not just the man and not just the Jew, but the Gentile and women and lepers and sinners. Everybody can sit at my feet. Everybody has an opportunity to be a disciple. Thank God for Jesus. I thought on that point that every woman of God in this place would get Give God some praise that when other people look past you, thank God for a savior that says, I don't care what society says. I don't have a glass ceiling in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, I can have a seat for Mary. (laughs) Mary, sitting at his feet in that culture, they would have scoffed at a rabbi that would allow that. I can almost see the disciples going, oh, really, Jesus? Jesus. She's not supposed to be in the kitchen. He's like, shut up, Peter. She can sit. Well, I'm telling her to sit. And I bet tears came down Mary's face. Because you have to know what it's like to be overlooked. You have to know what it's like to be treated less than. And all of a sudden, the Savior of the world opens up a space for you. I think that day changed Mary's life forever. Because you realize all throughout the Gospels, after that moment... Mary's always at his feet. Oh, that moment changed her life because she always ends up at his feet. You remember when their brother dies in chapter 11? I want you to see what happens. Their brother Lazarus, you know the story. You've been, you graduated from Sunday school. John chapter 11. Remember their brother Lazarus dies and Jesus doesn't come to the funeral or the graveside service and they're so mad? I want you to see in John chapter 11. Remember that beautiful verse in John chapter 11. Look at what he says. Martha is mad that Jesus is late, runs up to him. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, because Martha's practical, right? She has an attitude with Jesus. She's like, "Oh, if you would have been here, if you loved us, you would have showed up. You wouldn't even let him get sick in the first place. But you're late and he's dead. If you would have been here, it wouldn't have happened. That's what she said. And Jesus says, Your brother's going to rise. She's like, Yeah, uh, later, but not now. But I want you to see Mary. Mary comes up to Jesus and says the same thing. Look at what Mary said. Mary reached the place where Jesus was. She also said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But look at where she is. She fell at his feet says the same thing Martha said but her posture is different this is why it's not just about what you say it's about the posture of your heart and how you approach God it's not just about you approaching God how do you approach Him when you approach Him? Do you approach God like He owes you something? Saying, God, I came to church. God, I read my Bible. You owe me something. No, baby, that's religion. Religion says, I did and you owe me. But when you have relationship, you're saying, God, you don't owe me anything. I'm just thankful that you saved me and redeemed me. God, this is my posture. Yes, I'm asking for the same thing, but I'm not in your face. I'm at your feet. And because I'm at your feet, I know you're God. And you're able, I'm at your feet. Oh, I'm telling you, where's the posture of your heart? You can say the same thing as somebody else, but have a completely different posture. And guess what? You'll have a completely different outcome. He just tells Martha, your brother will rise again. But look at what he says to Mary. Mary. He says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled and said, where have you laid him? Martha just got, I'm going to get a resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Mary got something different because of her posture. When she came at his feet, he said, where's he at? Where's he at? Because I'm about to show y'all I know how to raise people from death to life. That is the difference when you come at his feet. She does it again in John chapter 12. She comes into a room and she burst a bottle of expensive perfume, and where is she at? At his feet. Mary is always at his feet. Martha will get in your face. Mary is all about adoration. Martha's about that action. (laughs) Mary is about worship. Martha is about work. And if you don't understand the power of worship coming before the work, you'll always be worried and you'll always be anxious. If you put work before the worship it's only a matter of time before the worry settles in but if you put the worship before the work if you put the sitting before the serving if you put delight before duty that's when you'll see God do the miraculous in your life I don't want to reduce Mary and Martha to personalities I don't think they're in tension with each other I think they work in tandem with each other. Yeah. That the life of a believer is to live in the tension of Mary and Martha. That in every believer, there needs to be a Martha, do some. In every believer, there has to be a Mary, sit at his feet and worship. But don't ever let Martha come before Mary. Mary has to come before Martha. If you wanna know if you got a little Martha coming out, I'll show you. She does it in the text. They're in the living room, having a good time. Martha is sitting at long table with all them placemats. And I think when she got to about placemat number 12, is when she snapped. Because they in there. <laughs> you ever hear somebody just having a good time and you can't participate because you're the one cooking? <laughs> and she's so mad. She slams that plate. Stop! Oh, that's it! Walks in there. And look at what the first thing she says. Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you care? Ooh. <laughs> the English doesn't even give you the Greek feeling of this text she literally bum rushes Jesus Jesus don't you care don't you care you know you're a Martha when you start going to God asking the rhetorical question don't you care She's not asking for information. She has drawn a conclusion. You don't care. Because if you cared, you would do something about it. And that's why I'm in your faith. Woo! We do the same thing. How you approach Jesus matters. Do you care? Don't you see what I'm going through? Because if you cared, you would do something about it. As if you were God and he is not. You know, you are Martha. When you're coming to Jesus, going, do you care? But you're not asking for information. You have drawn a conclusion that he doesn't. Oh, please don't miss the message. I'm not saying you can't come to Jesus with your questions. But let's just settle this. He does care. He already told you. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. So stop looking for evidence to substantiate the verdict of him caring and start making a decision that I already know that he cares. Him caring is not up for debate. So if I'm facing something that I don't understand and doesn't make sense, it's only a matter of time before he'll make it make sense and make this work together for my good. But I'm not looking at the evidence of what I'm going through or my circumstances to substantiate Substantiate whether he cares because I already know he cares. Yeah. Him caring is not up for debate. She comes in with the attitude, Don't you care? And the reason she's drawn the conclusion that he doesn't care is because she's lost control. Yeah, Martha, you are control free. <laughs> and she proves it the next thing she says. She says, Don't you care that I'm here in the kitchen by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha is looking at the creator of the universe and says, tell her to help me. The nerve, the audacity, the unmitigated gall for you to tell Jesus what to tell her to help me. I know you're the Lord and the Savior, whatever. I'm telling you to tell her to help me. It's kind of like when my kids worship team join me. It's kind of like when my kids have the nerve to tell me, you don't care about us. (laughs) Making me go to bed. You don't care about us. For real? Oh, for real? I don't care because I'm making you go to bed. You better be glad you got a bed in that room. You may be glad that there's air conditioning in this house. You want to know if I care? Go in there and flick that light on and see if it come off. (laughs) Make me so, how dare you? Tell her to help me. Have you questioned the care of God? Because you've lost control. And now you're telling him, what do you think he should do? You are giving suggestions to the master of the universe. But look at the kindness of Jesus, because he's not like me. My kids question if I care, i would be like, how did you better be glad you're still breathing? not Jesus he says Martha Martha whenever you hear somebody say a name twice in the Bible it is not Jesus chastising her you know we don't get vocal intonation in the Bible it's not like he's saying Martha Martha that's not it it's Martha Martha he's saying a name twice because he cares He's saying her name twice because he's bringing her close. He says, Martha, you're troubled about a lot of things. Your issue is not Mary. Oh, by the way, you know you're coming to Martha when you get agitated with other people around you and you start erupting on them because they're not performing the way you want them to perform. You got to be careful because sometimes Martha can become a manipulator. And anytime people don't line up as your drill sergeants and do what you want them to do, you'll blow up at them and get mad. He says, Martha, you're troubled about a lot of things. He said, Martha, your issue is not with Mary. Your issue is that although you had a heart that was trying to get everything together and host me, in your serving, you've lost perspective. And you're forgetting that sitting is the priority. And hear me, the enemy would love for many of us to get so preoccupied and busy with serving that we never sit. See, you got to get mature in your faith to a place where you know the enemy's tactic. Sooner later, you reach a place where it's like, oh, the enemy's not trying to get me to smoke. He's not trying to get me to turn up. He's not trying to get me to, no, no. Some of us are past that. Oh, but can I tell you a trick that believers fall prey to is doing a lot of activity in the kingdom of God, but you never spend activity with the king. Have you so busy serving, doing the work of the Lord? that you don't spend time with the Lord of the Word. I have to watch this because I want to be theologically sound and astute. If I'm not careful, I'll spend so much time studying the Bible, preaching, that I actually won't spend time with the God of the Bible. And I can't tell you how many study sessions I have shut down and cut on some worship music and said, God, don't let me fall prey to spending so much time serving so much time on my feet that I'm not at your feet worshiping because if I don't sit at your feet I won't have the strength that I need to stand one thing is necessary yeah you could do a lot of things Martha But there's only one thing that is vital, and that is for you to sit at my feet. This is the one thing. Yes, you could fix those plates, but this is the one thing that you have to have. I came to tell somebody, God is calling you back to your one thing that is sitting at his feet and hearing his word and sitting in his presence, that one thing, that one thing that David talked about in Psalm 27 when he said, one thing I desire of the Lord that will I seek after not a new house not a promotion on my job not winning the lottery not having a lot of Instagram followers the one thing I desire is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and behold the beauty of my Savior he said God you can take a whole lot of things away from me but don't ever take my opportunity to sit at your feet because I can't stand on my feet and serve you if I don't sit at your feet That's my one thing. You know what Martha should have done? She could have saved all that anger. Martha should have walked into that living room and said, oh, word? We can sit here too? There's a... Martha, you should have put down the fork, put down the napkins, and come and said, Mary girl. Scoot off. Scoot off. And if Mary would have said, so what about the food? He good. He can take two fish and five loaves and multiply it. I'm sure he can do something in that kitchen. But right now, I'm not going to miss, come on somebody, I'm not going to miss my moment to sit at his feet. He can do miracles. i let him take care of that meal. But right now, I need this meal. I need the bread of life. I need the only thing that can satisfy my soul. I need him. Is there anybody in there that can testify? that? That I need Jesus, I need his presence, I won't make it without his presence, it's too much stuff going on in the world I'll lose my mind if I don't sit stand to your feet came to call some people today my message is simple came to call you to check your priorities came to call some Martha's back to the place of Mary came to call some people who have their fist in the face of God asking if he cares because there's a situation that's out of your control to remind you that he does care and just because your life is interrupted doesn't mean that God is disconnected the interruption is an invitation for him to do a miracle in your life Don't be so busy serving that you miss the opportunity to sin. I started off talking about how my kids have this opportunity often when I have a lot of stuff going on. It always bug me. Daddy, 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 daddy. You know one day I'll never forget. I was on the phone on an important call the kids were turning up that day just going crazy I'll never forget it my little Remy she's my favorite I'm kidding but I'm her favorite (laughs) do unto others as they do unto you no that's not it my bad I'll never forget it on the phone, important call. This girl is bugging me. Daddy, 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 daddy. daddy. And I'm like literally running away from her trying to get some peace. Daddy, 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 daddy. Finally, I'm like, what? Rim, you see me on the phone? What? I'll never forget it. She looks at me. She goes, I just want to tell you that I love you. And then walked out the room. Yo, man, I got to call you back. And I hung up the phone. See, if you're not careful. You lose sight of what's really important. Remember, it's only an interruption if what you think is interrupting you is less important than what's really important. So I hung up the phone so I could go to what was important. God's calling you to a merry moment today. To sit at His feet. I'm gonna ask every head be bowed and all eyes be closed today. You're here today, you'd be so honest to say, you know what? Um, things have gotten out of perspective. It got my priorities out of alignment. It is so easy to do. I'll be the first one to tell you that it's so easy for me to go Martha mode. Meanwhile, Mary is dying on the inside. God's calling you not to lose your Martha but you just have to be aware that we live in a culture that will always push you to be Martha. You'll be constantly inundated with somebody that's doing better, going faster, accomplishing more, has more going on. We live in a busy society that is glorified busyness. The fight of your life is to sit at his feet. The fight of your life is to keep your merry moments. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you be so honest to say, Pastor Robert, I need to shift my priorities. Things have gotten out of order. I need to come back to Mary. You, would you just lift up your hand as a sign and say, Lord, that's me, that's me, that's me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus. Heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed today. and I'm going to do something a little different. Um, I'm not going to have the worship. I'm not going to have the prayer team pray or anything. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed, so prayer team just stay to the side. But if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'd love to include you in this closing prayer to say, God, I need to give you my life. You might be telling yourself, man, I got to fix myself. I got to get myself together, man. I got some stuff I'm trying to straighten out. You can't fix yourself. (laughs) Come on, if you could, you would have done it by now. That's why Jesus is a savior. He saves. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say there's not a place for you. He didn't just do it with women. He did it with Gentiles. He did it with outsiders. He was constantly redefining in the culture every single social construct. He says, everybody has an opportunity to come sit at my feet. No matter what you've done or where you've been, there is a place at his feet for you. When you're here today, you've not surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're saying, man, there was a time I was walking with Jesus, but today I need to rededicate my life to him. Would you lift up your hand just high enough and long enough to where I could see it saying, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, God. I see those hands. Today's going to be different. I'm not going to have anybody lay hands on you. I'm not going to have anybody pray for you. But if you lift up your hand for either one of those saying, you know what? Things have gotten out of order. My priorities have Gotten out of whack, Martha has been elevated over Mary. Or saying, "I'm giving you my life." When I count to three, I'm just going to ask you to come to the front, and I want you to start right here and have a Mary moment. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in this beautiful song that says, "I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet, and I want to give you an opportunity." Today in this service right now before you go on with your day and your busy Sunday just to have a merry moment right here. So if you lifted up your hand or you should have, when I count to three, I want you to come. One, come on. This is your opportunity to say, God, I'm coming back to your feet. Two, don't worry about what somebody else is going to think about you. Three, three, would you come? If you lifted up your hand or you should have, I don't care how far you got to walk from the back. Come on. This is a savior who says, there is a place at my feet for you you. I'm talking to those of you who've been riddled with worry and anxiety and much serving has pulled you apart. And God is saying, come back to my feet. You've got to put worship before your work. If you put your work before your worship, you're going to stay worried. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.